The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, and today we have a, a very special edition. We have Michael Breed joining the show. We have Mark Immelman joining the show. And you, ladies and gentlemen, are in the presence of true greatness, especially when it comes to instruction. We typically don't get into that too much here on the first cut. But today, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to get into some instruction, some tips to help you improve your game from two of the best in the business. Um, but before we introduce these gentlemen today... I just want I want to let you know you got to stick around till the end of the show because we have a special promo we're running that you're not going to want to miss. So make sure you stick with us. Um, but without further ado, Michael Breed joins us this morning. How you doing today, big boy? Living the dream, there, Chief. How about you? How you doing? <laughs> oh man, we're doing this, great. A little Very time with Mark. I mean, come on. Doesn't get any better than this. And people yep. are worried about what they're doing with their time. Come on. Yep. We got of- plenty of time, and we got a good group <laughs> yeah, today. Let's go. Mark, yeah. how are you doing today? What you got going on these days? Well, you know, I had something else going on, but I had to wait about 30 minutes for Michael Breed to grace us <laughs> with the parents, but that's, that's how we got to go. Well, listen, this is how you know. I mean, you guys are just visitors in my world. I want to well, make sure you understand I, 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 By I the way, as a visitor, did you, did you pay your visitor toll? Did you do that yet? Because I charge. I we, call that, we call that paying the piper. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, right. So, Greg, I want to dance. I'm 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 looking forward to this. I really am. Uh, so, uh, again, as I said, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to have some great uh, tips and instruction for you to help you improve your game indoors. Um, but first, Michael, a, a little introduction on you here. The host of A New Golf on Sirius XM, the host of Course Record, which just aired today, a little bit earlier this morning uh, at 11 o'clock on CBS Sports Net. Tell He's us still got his makeup on. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> I never put makeup on, baby. I'm just no. naturally handsome. <laughs> Michael, tell us a little bit about Course Record. What what Course Record and all of your uh, handsomeness has has blessed the audience with so far? Well, I mean, if you if you must insist, then I will definitely. <laughs> so here's what I would say. What I would say is that it's kind of a combination of all kinds of different things. We do we talk a little instruction. We talk a little bit of sort of current affairs, what's going on in the game of golf, which, you know, obviously there's not much going on as far as uh, professionals, professional tours. And then we also talk about some, some random things, just, you know, things that, that uh, are in the game that are on people's minds. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like going to the mall for golf. We try to cover as much as we can in, in a very short period of time, only about uh, 42 to 44 minutes of content with the commercials and everything. It's not an easy thing to do, but Fortunately, I have a good sidekick who does a pretty good job and, and uh, gets us all prepared for it. So, 
Now, in, com in comparison to that, you mentioned 42 to 44 minutes of content. Uh, your other show, A New Breed of Golf on Sirius XM, uh, that airs for, from 8 to 10, Monday through Friday, as I said, on Sirius 208 XM 92. Uh, a lot more content in that show. How do you find yourself filling that time? What, what is that show all about? Um, you know, that's, that's more of the same. I would say it, it's probably a little bit less instruction. And it is, there's much more opinion in that show because we have, you know, you talk about having 10 hours a, a week as opposed to having one hour a week. I mean, you know, simple math. So we can develop some stories. We also can have um, guests on and we take callers, which is a, a, a really fun part of the, the radio stuff. You know, it's one of those things where, and Mark does a podcast, he knows all about this. It, it's, there's something about having, you know, you prepare for a show, for instance, we do course record or Mark does uh, his show and he's on the Mark podcast, but you, you, you prepare for a show and without callers, the show goes in the direction that you prepared for. When you have a radio show and you have callers who are calling in and, and who knows when something is going to um, cause you to take a left or a right. It, uh, there's so many different things. Plus, you know, when you're on from eight to 10 in the morning, things happen. Announcements come out, you know, certain, certain occurrences force you to go in a different direction. I think one of the things that you really have to do when we're in the radio space is be able to hit curveballs. And I think that's one of the things that that is what I love about the show is you think it's going to go in a cer certain direction, but it doesn't go in that. In fact, if it does go in that direction, nobody's called in. That's right. It's always surprising. Most of the time people are calling in in droves. So it is great fun. And uh, definitely those two shows for me. Uh, it's it's a great pleasure for me to be all joking aside. It's it's a great pleasure for me to be able to join you on those two shows because they are yeah. uh, incredibly unique. They're incredibly fun to do. Incredibly fun to talk. Sounds about like golf. he's lobbying for a raise, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> always. I, or just or just try to keep his job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking to climb the mountain, or I'm just hanging on from the edge of the cliff. Uh, you never know. In a situation like there is right now, I think he's just hanging on for a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I use the, uh, the the word grateful there. So very important yeah. there. Uh, very happy to get to talk a little bit of golf. And speaking of golf, there is some golf these days. And Mark, I'm dying to get your thoughts on this. Phil Mickelson teases a, a possible head-to-head -head on Twitter with Tiger Woods. And, and basically someone said, hey, I want to get a rematch of Tiger and Phil with just a cameraman out there. And Phil said, very seriously, we're working on it. Now, what do you, Mark, what do you make of that theory? What, what do you make of just having Tiger, Phil, and a camera guy out there? Do you think that's a, a real possibility? Would you be entertained by that? Uh, well, look, open disclosure, love Phil, love Tiger. I did not uh, watch the match last year. I, I couldn't be bothered, to be honest with you. Um, look, it's this is what Phil does. Phil, he, he's got a certain shock element about him, and and I hadn't seen a fireside with Phil on social media lately, so there had to be something. And so, look, the one thing about, about Phil, he's awfully candid. So if he makes a statement, uh, there's uh, this is not just getting sucked out of thin air. So... If if he says he's working on it, that means there is work being done. And and you know, in the in the time, the strange time in which we're currently living, I think it would be great. You know, if if this was perhaps the kickoff, let's say for argument six, 
to when golf reconvened, when the PGA Tour got together for the first official event, event again, maybe one week prior, just leading in with, you know, limited exposure, few people out there made for television. Heck, why even make it for television? Just make it available for everybody to watch. I think it could be a cool idea. So, so I mean, this is Phil. Um, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be keen to see if he's called Tiger up direct and to say, hey, big guy, we're going to do something uh, for television. You're up for this. And so I, I would just wish I was a fly on the wall for the conversations. I mean, Michael, what are your thoughts on this? It seems like the perfect time to do it. Maybe maybe a couple months, couple weeks or a couple months down the road when things have settled down a little bit right before things kind of get back into full swing. I mean, this would dominate the, the market. It'd be the only thing to watch, don't you think? Well, I think if you look at this this PGL, what you basically see is somebody trying to figure out how to get the straws of the game of golf playing in some sort of a regular basis. And if you were to take a, a Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods and send them out to go play golf again, I think I think you'd get people that would be watching and would want to watch. But also in this particular situation where everybody's looking for fresh live content, that would be, you know, right up there with one of the most watchable things that's going on. I do think if you have one camera guy that's going to be very, very difficult to um, to to turn into a a a production that we would want to watch. Honestly, I think he's going to have to get to that. And to that, he's going to have to get so close. And Phil doesn't do camera people close very well either. So if you've got a guy on a handle, this is not going to work out so great. So I think that there's I think there's other ways to cover golf with adding more than just one. Uh, camera guy. I think if you if you were to take um, get get a little creative, I think you could you could put some cameras behind a green, and you know you lift them up 14, 15 feet off the ground. They're not really going to be in the way. Now you're going to limit it to the number of people that are going to be there, uh, but at the same time, <clears throat> there's a lot of creative things that can be done to get uh, to to get the coverage. And I would say, look. What if you had drones? If you had a couple of drones that were flying around, somebody's sitting wherever they're sitting, you could cover that with a drone. It'd be kind of cool. And so I think you could do some stuff here to make it a little bit more um, watchable. But if you don't have, if all you have is one camera guy, you're just, you're invariably going to miss stuff. And that's where I think things kind of would, would go sideways. Well, especially with Tiger and Phil, who are, uh, not known to be the straightest drivers of all time. There are situations where you could have one of them in the in the left trees and the left rough somewhere on the left side of the golf course, and you could have the other one somewhere on the right side of the golf course. So you have one cameraman. I mean, we've all double looped before caddying. Imagine trying to get the shot on camera. It's not like you can mm-hmm. just leave a guy with the club and, and go and deal with the other player. So I think that definitely imposes a challenge. Maybe you have a player, a camera guy with each player, and then, Michael, I think that's a great idea to have a drone. You got to have something by the green, whether it's a drone, maybe it's just a steady cam up there that's just kind of running, pointing at the green, capturing the shots as they come in. Um, but if you didn't have that, I think people would still watch, but uh, I, I don't think they would like it very much. Like Mark mentioned, he didn't even watch the, the match. There were a lot of people that did watch the match that weren't very happy with it uh, for a lot of reasons. So I, I think no matter what, people watch um just a matter of whether or not it, it's enjoyable 
Well, I guess just to put a bow on the conversation, you know, as I listen to you guys, because I love the drone idea, but you've got to have a catch cam. That's the one thing. I think the, the, the casual viewer does not understand what goes into this. You've got the handheld guy who's got the down the line shot. You've got the catch guy who's in the fairway and on the green catching the golf ball so you see the result. Then you've got someone flashing back on the reaction from the player. So it's at least three cameras for each shot. And what I'm listening, and as I hear you guys talk, once again, I marvel at what the major networks and the PGA Tour do um, when they broadcast golf, because broadcasting golf is by far and away the hardest thing to do. And and I, I chuckle and I get aggravated some when I hear these folks when they're spouting off on social media because someone missed a shot somewhere, you know, in terms of the production value. Such a hard thing to cover. I think you're right on, Mark. And I, it would take a lot more than just one camera for it to be anything that's worth watching. So uh, I, I do think that's a very, very interesting thing. And, and we'll see what happens. I know with all the time that we have, everybody's going to be keeping a very close eye on it. But as promised, with Michael Breed and Mark Immelman with me today, we want to discuss some instruction. We want to help you improve your game. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined by Mark Immelman and Michael Breed today, and we are going to help you improve your game. And uh, a couple of tips that you can do indoors. Right now, many golf courses across the nation are, are closing. We're not able to get outside and get onto the golf course in, in many parts of the country. Others we are, but in many, we're not able to get out onto the golf course. Michael, we'll start with you. When you're stuck inside, I, I know you've majored in putting through most of your career. What's, what's your favorite drill to do? when you're stuck inside and you want to work on putting? You know, it's, it's interesting because it's, if you're fortunate enough to have a putting mat indoors, you can work on speed. Many people aren't that fortunate. Many people, you know, are putting on their carpet or whatever it may be. And so at that point, I think working on speed becomes a very challenging thing to do. And what I, what I like to do with, with um, my players is I don't, I don't, Greg, you and I have taught together for a long time, so you know what my philosophies are. I'm much more of a face-conscious putter than a path-conscious putter. Having said that, what I want is a consistent path and a consistent face. And so what I like to do with my players is just have them take the toe of the putter and run the toe of the putter up against, say, a wall or a staircase or a door or something like that. Now, I'm not looking for big, tremendous strokes. I'm looking for a stroke that's going to move, you know, maybe a foot, 14 inches. And if you start thinking about 
um, the the putts that really make a difference in somebody's game in their scoring, it's really from ten feet and in. And if players can start making more putts from ten feet and in, they're going to perform much better. When you start thinking about putts that are ten feet and in, speed becomes less important. Now, speed's always important. It's just less important than it is on say a fifteen or twenty foot putt because putts tend to break a lot more as you get farther from the hole. Having said that, the stroke also, too, tends to be a little bit more straight back and straight through. But what what taking the, the toe of the putter and putting it up against a wall or a door or something like that, what it does is it helps you manage the squareness of a face. And as somebody that is sort of a Bobby Locke disciple, I, I know how he thought about a putting stroke, and I know about how Willie Park and uh, Horton Smith and Billy Casper and all these great putters thought about putting was all controlling the face. When you start to take the toe of the putter and put it up against the the wall or the door, whatever it may be, what you in effect are doing, even though it feels like a path drill, it's really a face drill because what tends to happen is you tend to feel the turning of the face a lot more when the toe is touching something, much better than putting the heel against something. So I'm a big fan of putting the toe up against a, a sort of a flat object, a straight object, and then just making, you know, a stroke that's about 12 inches. And once you start doing that, you start really being able to control the putter face a lot better. And that would be one of the things that I would tell people. You really don't need to have a putting mat to do that drill. And that's one of the things that can kind of cover everybody. But how that being said, a putting mat always helps. And Jacob, maybe that's the sound you can uh, share with your wife, as I know you just got yourself a new putting mat. So putting mats, Always, always accepted. Uh, Mark, when you look, I mean, we heard Michael talk a little bit about Bobby Locke. I know you, too, are a big fan of Bobby Locke. When when you get indoors, you're stuck indoors at a time like this, and you want, uh, or, or maybe your students are, and they want to improve their putting. What's the drill that you, you like to give them? Well, I, I just must share that I did happen to have one, one putting lesson from the great man, Bobby Locke. And it was no yeah, incredible <laughs> how that guy rolled a ball along some not very good greens. It was unreal. He spoke a lot to me about motion and movement and timing and transition. It was fast, but you know, he just had a sense for the, the way the club was in his hands. And it's with that, that the drill I want to share is just because, you know, the conundrum in golf to me is you've got two hands on one club. And one might be the driver and one's the power, whatever the case might be. Certain folks respond to different sides and you've got a dominant side and a non-dominant side. So what I love people to do is practice with both sides individually so you can become aware of how they work, how they feel, not just how it feels, but how it feels in relation to the club. It might be the golf club or in this case, it's the, the putter. So I, I love a person just to assume the grip with the lead hand uh, for a right hander, that would be the left hand make a few strokes, and you might feel that way when you do with the left side only, how the left hand sort of leads, and so the face trails. So the face may play a bit more passive, and perhaps the toe, to Michael's point, may lag just a little bit. So you do that for a little while, you certainly will feel, probably for a right-hander, some weakness in that left side. And from short range, I think it's a great way to practice just to kind of stabilize that front side a little bit. Then you flip hands and you just go with the right hand where it would normally be. Now, if you're a pencil claw grip sort of a guy or girl, this is not going to work. But just to get a sense, again, for timing of club head versus hands, like a Tiger Woods, you watch him, he always goes through that right hand only drill 
before every round because he likes the face to hook. He likes to get the sensation of the toe overtaking the heel. And you'll get a sense that the trail hand will sort of release the club a little bit more where the lead hand will drag it. So I like people to get both sensations and then understand how they work. So when you couple the two on the handle, you'll start to get the sense for, okay, which one's working harder than the other? Or are they working in unison? And then as a result, you as the operator can start to say, well, okay, I'm on the wall that Michael's referencing, which is awesome. But this is how I've got to feel when I get away from the wall so I can control to me, very much the faces alignment. I'm a big one on that, but also to a certain extent, the path, because if you get a little right hand, little bottom hand too much, that face would probably whack left too early. If you left-handed, if you go with the lead hand, you'll feel like the club wants to trail inward on the backswing some more. So, so I like you to practice with each hand and then put a ball down, try and hit them and try and see how hard it is and get good like that. Then when you've got two hands on the wheel, life becomes in my estimations, a little easier. It's something uh, that we've seen Tiger Woods do for years, just a right-handed, one hand on the putter, just putting with his right hand. It reminds me of something Chris Cuomo, uh, ironically a, co- a former coach of Tiger Woods, he told us on, on Michael's show, uh, A New Breed of Golf on Sirius XM, he said, the idea in coaching is to try to take science and turn it into a feel. How are you as a coach going to take science and turn it into a feel? And Mark, it sounds like that drill is definitely going to help you improve your feel. Um, for me, with my students, Michael, you mentioned it's difficult to work on uh, difficult to work on pace indoors. A major part of pace is what happens with the contact point, what happens with the impact point. Uh, and I like to see high impact points on both the putter and the ball, which will create a forward roll. It creates a forward axis of rotation much earlier, if not right away, right after impact. And the best drill to do that is you take a piece of tape, a piece of cloth tape or a Band-Aid, and you put it on the bottom half of the putter, uh, on the low part of the putter. And when you do that, you teach yourself how to miss the Band-Aid, how to miss the piece of tape, whatever it is on the bottom of that face. And all of a sudden, you're going to get you're going to get a high impact point. When you have a high impact point on the face, it's going to be a high impact point on the ball. And you're going to get that ball rolling much easier when you can putt with a consistent roll. And when you get outside on, onto uh, real greens, you're going to notice much more consistent speed control. So uh, that's what we got there for putting. I love those drills, gentlemen. Uh, let's move on now to chipping. Michael, when you look at chipping, and I know you just did a little a, a little ladder drill um, yeah. with Titleist on social media. It's great fun to watch. When you do that ladder drill, what are some of the things you're looking for? What, what is the purpose of that drill? I, and, and this is one of the things, you know, Mark is, is a, a phenomenal instructor. And, and when we start to examine uh, the challenges of, let's just say, 120 yards and in, it becomes being able to control distance both in the air and on the ground. You stand there with a driver in your hand and you're really just trying to control distance in the air. If you want to, if you want it to not roll out as far, not travel as far, you just get a three wood. But when you're, when you're hitting wedges, you're hitting putts, you are responsible for both distance and direction. And part of distance in short game, controlling distance is the ability to control a launch angle an apex, how far it flies in the air, what the spin rate is, where it lands, and how it releases. And you might not be 
to control all that or do all that, pay attention to all that when you're in an indoor environment. But you certainly can pay attention to a strike, the the launch angle, um, what is going on with an apex of a shot. You can, you can do that in an indoor environment. And what that ladder drill does, and, and we have a chipping net that's very similar to the, the ladder drill that allows you to, with the same club, figure out how to hit a ball that leaves with an apex of a foot or a foot and a half. And then, you know, three or four shots later, hitting a shot where the apex might be six feet, how to elevate that golf ball up into the air a little bit higher from, from a very, very similar distance. You know, when a ladder, when you hit a ladder, when you're hitting into the ladder, the ladder is kind of falling away from you. The stairs are falling away from you. So you have a little bit more space when you start going into a shot that's a little bit higher. But the point is, is that, Understanding what can change a launch angle, what can change an apex, is understanding short game completely as far as I'm concerned. And as you're able to do that and you're able to reason what does ball position do both uh, left and right and front to back, and also what is understanding loft, what is understanding handle height, all these little different things and how to move the club to create or alter trajectories is invaluable when you get into the playing arena. And so what I love about the ladder drill is I'm sitting there in the exact same spot and I'm altering my shots. And what what I also notice with people, and Mark, you know this well, people go out to practice short game. They stand, they, they tend to stand in the exact same spot and hit the exact same shot every single time. And they don't understand that you're going to get different lies. You're going to have to be able to stop a ball with trajectory rather than spin. There's all these different things that go on in it. People just don't understand that stuff. And that's another reason why I love that drill because it asks you to immediately go from one shot to a different shot to a different shot, which they never practice. It's critical when it comes to taking your game from the range to the course, right, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and and I love that ladder drill. I've watched Michael do this on social media and I see he's whipping up on the PGA Tour guys in the in the number of reps he took to get that knocked over. And I thought it was a novel idea to to just get, you know, a sense. I, I, I read a quote by Byron Nelson where someone asked him in his book, it was the little black book they called. And, they, and they're like, well, how did how do you hit the ball high? And Mr. Nelson said, well, I just think high. And, and oftentimes when you see windows like Michael's drill, um, references or makes so apparent, you know, the athlete within sort of responds to that. Um, um, I, you know, trajectory control, all that sort of stuff, spin rate, all that sort of stuff is massively important. But all the great pitchers and chippers of the golf ball I've ever been around or managed to watch, if there's one thing that they have in common, it's an absolutely bulletproof strike. I mean, these guys and girls hit the ball flush uh, and they hit the ball with the appropriate amount of loft required to my point. So, so the drill I want to share is something you can do indoors. I call it LFTT, lead foot trail toes. Because to strike the ball clean of any lie, or most lies, you have to make ball first contact naturally. And so where you locate the fulcrum or the mass of your body has got a huge influence on this. So for the golfers listening, you can try it, even without a golf ball right now, without a golf club. Assume your stance. Just flare your lead foot out, just a whisker. So turn the toes out. Then pull your knees together so they're almost touching. Then your trail foot 
raise that in behind you. So you're just kind of resting gently on the toes. So the pressure's on the lead foot, then the toes on the trail foot are just kind of there. There's no pressure on it, and you will feel how your upper body then lines itself up over your forward side. Make a few swings back and forth, just motion, and start to feel how you have to rotate around that forward hip, that forward knee, that forward thigh. And so then when you got that sensation, make a few swings and watch how the club bottoms out very close to the area where the big toe of your lead foot is. Set a golf ball down there, and you'll start to clip the ball pretty cleanly. And you certainly, for those folks who fall backwards on strikes, you'll get that you certainly won't be able to fall backward because you don't have that pivot post, that trail leg in position. So once you have the sense, okay, this is what I feel like for high shots and all low shots, it's just a function of face angle, really. Then you go and apply this, and you can just move the trail toes into your regular stance. But as you widen that stance, just be careful that you don't move massive back there because then you'll bottom out the club prematurely, and all of a sudden you'll hit thin option fat shots. So even without a golf ball, in the house, just on the lead foot, knees together, on the trail toes, in behind you, make a few swings and just watch how that club lands consistently in one area. That's the base of your arc. If there's a golf ball there, you are likely to make solid contact. I think that is a phenomenal drill. We call it the flamingo drill. You're standing on one foot like a flamingo. It keeps you... Uh, you can ramp it, it up there. I call one the flamingo too with no trail foot on the ground. I mean, you've got to be... That, that is high level to pull that off with some motion. It, it really will test your balance. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Mark, in that the, the contact that PGA Tour professionals make versus the contact that amateurs make, I think there's a, a massive difference in that sense. And when I am in uh, a clinic, when I'm giving a clinic, it's the biggest difference that I see. Players who are high handicap players, they have no control over the low point of their swing. And players that are really low handicap players, they have excellent control over the bottom of their swing. So when you combine those two things, as Michael talked about, you have to be able to control the spin, you have to be able to control the apex, you have to be able to control the ball when it's in the air and on the ground. The key to that is making sure that you're making consistent contact. And a very simple drill that I like to do or have my players do to accommodate that is you just take a, a piece of tape and you're just going to put one simple piece of tape on the carpet in your house and you're going to make practice swing. And you're just going to practice which side of the tape am I brushing the, the, the carpet or the rug on? Am I brushing it on the forward side or on the trail side? And you'll know very quickly, because if you brush on the trail side of the tape, you're going to start pulling the tape up. Uh, and, and when you then introduce a ball, you're going to hear two noises. You're going to hear the noise of the ground, then the ball. Whereas if you can brush in front of the piece of tape, now you're going to hear just the noise of the ball. And you may hear a little bit of the turf afterwards, but typically you'll hear just one noise. It'll be just the ball. Uh, and that is critical in improving that short game ability on the ground and in the air. So uh, I love both of those drills, gentlemen. Um, now, those the, the putting and the chipping seem to be the two easier areas when you're talking about indoor practice. It seems like you can get the most done when you're indoors. Uh, but when it comes to the full swing, we all want to work on our, our ball striking. We want to work on, on the full swing as well indoors. Michael, what are some of the drills you can do inside uh, where you're, you're not hitting a ball, but you, you can still be productive and get something out of your practice? It's an interesting uh, question. So one of the things that I would say to all the listeners is, 
We're in a very, very interesting time. Before we get into that, we're in a very interesting time. And is, there has never been, Mark, I'm sure you will agree, there has never been more instruction in the social media space than this period of time that we're in right now. Amen. And what I worry about for people is that they are watching and listening to so many different coaches. I mean, we are seeing people that were never in this social media space all of a sudden now putting out instruction. I don't think that's bad. I just think you have to be, I mean, it's kind of like going to a buffet and you can have whatever you want. And it's the best of everything, the best pizza you've ever had, the best steak, the best everything. And by the time it's said and done, you're going to eat so much food, you can't even move. And so that's what I worry about for people. Not or you've got an upset stomach. You to. That's exactly right. Not sleeping real well. So so that would be my first thing. I, I would What I would say to people is find the, the, the coaches who you think uh, make sense to you and don't don't find, don't get into watching just anybody. That would be one of the things I would say. The second thing I would say is, look, understanding the ability to control the face is really understanding how uh, wrist positions can alter in a swing and the consistency of putting your hands on the club time and time again. So I, I would say a couple of things. One, pick a club up every single day and, and make sure that you, you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to swing. You don't have to do it. Just pick it up every day and make sure that your hands are on the, the grip the exact same way or the way that you choose. If you're going to hit a cut or you're going to hit a draw and you prefer to, to alter grip position, that's one thing. Second thing is the drill that I love to do is just get a hanger and put that hanger on the grip in a way where the, the hook of the hanger is sitting up above the forearms. And so you're holding it where you've got both the hanger right in the grip area, both the hanger and the grip in the same spot, and the hook is directly above um, the, the, where the hands would be. And then make a swing and make sure that that hanger, as it moves through, is always brushing up against the lead forearm. And when you start to do that drill, you're going to understand the controlling of the face or what I call the rolling of the shaft, the spinning of the shaft. And as you start to um, decrease the spinning of the shaft, you start to get real control over the club face. And when you get control over the club face, you're going to have control over your game. It's a great drill for playing, great drill for club face in the backswing. Uh, and it, it gives you a real good feel. I've done that drill many times, and, and it really does create a wonderful position at the top of the backswing. Uh, Mark, with your students indoors, full swing stuff, what do you, what do you have them work on? What's the most well, important thing for you? Well, one, I'm so glad that Michael said what he did about the uh, influx, uh, the uh, everything that's available on social media right now. And it's I, I've got no beef with any instructors at all, but but you have to know the medicine which you're trying to take. And, and like Harvey Penick said, so be very vigilant. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Michael. Um, further, I'm, I'm with both you guys. If you if you are understanding the relationship of your hands to the club face, and then of course the wrist being kind of the tip of the spear from there. That, that's that's where you make and create golf shots. And every great golfer throughout time, really, has understood how the wrists work in relation to the face. And just to, to put a bow, I guess, on what Michael said, if you've got a real big, strong grip, don't be trying to bow your wrist at the top of the swing like a Dustin Johnson unless you know how to get out of there. You know, understand the matchups required. But for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a bit of a throwback instructor, I guess I'm dating myself now, 
um, almost 50. Uh, I've been influenced by... <laughs> You're only 10 years younger than me. <laughs> well, you definitely have throwback there. Um, I've been influenced by a number of great players through my life, and I've been fortunate to know them. And, and, and the first thing I'd say to someone indoors is I watched a young golfer who I happen to be the older brother of make practice swings in front of a big window outside the house all day long. And he knew where well, he sort of was aiming to get to spots. So there Trevor was making swings back and forth, sw- not looking at himself all the time, swing to the top, then reference something in a mirror. I asked Nick Faldo about this and he said, if he had it to do over again, he'd make less full swings and more swings in front of a mirror just to get the, 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 the feedback of the feel again that you're doing. But me, I'm a big one. So that's why I love the hanger drill. I'm a big one for being able to hit shots, even if it's a chip shot, with when you're drilling. So I'm going to throw back to Gary Player and just and go to an age old. Just to sequencing in the golf swing's massive, and so if you can understand how things work and the time in which they work together throughout the swing, you you put yourself in a better chance and a better place to hit more consistently sound shots. So real simple, you can assume your regular stance uh, with a club in your hand. You don't need a ball. And as you swing back, allow your lead foot to get swung back as you swing to the top and just kind of touch the ground next to your trail foot. Then from there, move that lead foot, go and plant it in the ground before anything else moves. And then get the feeling for how that pulls on the hips. Now the hips pull on the lats. Now the lats pull on the shoulders and then your arms sling out there into a full follow through. And then you're following through and for good measure, you can take a step through and over your forward foot a la Gary Player. So... I just like to swing back and forth and get the sense of lightness on the ground in your lead side going back and certainly lightness in the ground on the lead side going through. Now, to really make this count, do this like my brother would in front of somewhere where you can see yourself. So when you're stepping back and forth, your upper body is not moving uh, in some sort of a ridiculous fashion. Keep your eyes trained on yourself. Watch how there's separation and disassociation, to use a modern-day term, between lower half, upper half, and the arm swing. And get that thing sequenced and start to feel pressure movement, feel mass movement, get a sense for how that translates into speed to the arms and the club, and you'll be well on your way. Um, and then if you have you know, wiffle ball close, go and give it a try and, 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 and get the sense for how the power translates through the body, down the arms, into the club, and as a result, the ball. Mark, did you learn that drill on uh, the YouTube? Or is that <laughs> uh, this drill was out way before the YouTube, brother? They were writing this thing on papyrus scrolls way back in the day. Okay? I have done that drill before, and I'll tell you one thing: it it's a, it sounds a lot easier than it is. It's it can hard. be a challenge, but it's important to note: if you're doing a drill and it's difficult, that means you need to be able. That means you need. That's the drill that you need. If you're doing a drill and it's easy, it means it's not so, it's not a new skill you're developing. So it, when you're taking any of these drills, whether they be a putting drill, a chipping drill, or one of these great full swing drills that we have, it's it's critical to note that they should be hard for you when you're first starting. If they're hard for you, then it's probably the right drill. So those are are both great. I'll add one more here. Um, and again, I love the mirror drills. I, I love getting in front of a mirror and stuff like that. It, it's beautiful to be able to see yourself. It's a, it's a really important thing to do. The drill that I have for you is a drill that you're probably not going to do outdoors. You're probably not going to do it if you go to a driving range. So I look at this as an opportunity to do something you typically wouldn't do. Uh, and this drill can be a little bit of a workout. 
you're going to set up in uh, in your golf posture. Michael, you know this drill well. You're going to set up with your rear up against a wall, and your arms are just going to simply be across your chest. There's not even a club needed. You're going to make a, a shoulder turn as if you were making a backswing, keeping your right cheek up against the wall. You're going to hold that up against the wall, and throughout the entirety of the motion, you're going to make a full backswing, a full downswing and a full follow through, you're going to stay in contact with the wall. And this is going to teach you to stay in your posture. It's going to, and it will, you, as I said, it's a little bit of a workout. You will feel uh, your, your core strength. Uh, you'll, you'll feel it. You'll feel tension in your core, which means it's working hard. Uh, it's, it's a lot. Another one of these drills, just like the one Mark gave that is a lot easier sounding than it is physically. So take this time when you're stuck indoors to improve yourself physically uh, and, and when you get outside and you're hitting balls, you'll hit the ball better than you ever have. I, I'd say just, what do you think, Michael? 10 minutes, you do, you do these drills for how, how long in a day are you looking for to get some improvement here? I, I, I don't know that, that I would put a shot clock on it as much as I would say, just do it every day. And if you can do it every day and, and some days you do it for two minutes and some days you do it for 12 minutes and some days you do it for something in between, it's just the repetition. It's the feel to what Mark was talking about being able to use your, your mind and to be able to visualize or see what's going on and then feel what's going on is a, it's a huge advantage. And the, and the frequency with which you um, create a repetition or create a movement allows you to be able to feel the difference to where it's, it becomes more and more precise. So what I would suggest is don't worry about the time, worry about the frequency. Mark. Do you have a do you have a, a routine like a regiment? Do you have a schedule you like to give to your students? Um, yes, I do. Do they do it? Probably not as often as I would like. But but the the way I see it is is to folks to is, is I advise folks to just to to just do what you're capable of doing. Understand that incremental improvement is improvement. You know, you're not going to build Rome in a day. I know that's cliched, but if you do the right thing repeatedly, you're going to start to see changes. And then to Michael, a, a, you know, guy I look up to and a former colleague of Michael's, um, you know, he always used to say, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to be keep getting what you've been getting. You know? so, so, so if you just change your habit. Just, <laughs> he's a legend. Uh, if you just do a little bit, you know, every so often you're on your way. The, the, the main thing for me, too, is to, you know, I, I, I'm a big one for swinging the club through positions, not positioning it through the swing. But that being said, if, if you're working on something, if you swing back and hold it for a second or if you swing through and position impact, Nick Price used to do it all of the time, just two or three or four times, hold it and then be aware of yourself, not be aware of the ball and what it feels like. Then you, I think you're on your way. So yeah, I like to recommend, but but folks, folks want the the path of least resistance. You know that. I again, I, I think that yeah. those are great points, Mark. They're they're really great points. So again, a number of drills here that you've heard today that you can do to improve your own game. Uh, do these with a degree, as Michael and Mark both said. Do them with a, a degree of regularity. The amount of time may not be the most important thing. But the consistency in which you practice them is definitely the most important thing. So, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining me here today. Uh, it was great fun, great to get your insight, and I think there's a lot to learn from. And we can definitely start to improve our games. Jacob, especially you here, 
uh, when you when you get onto that new that fresh new putting mat. So I, I, I definitely look forward to that. But as I as I promised, we have a, a promotion for you here. We are flashing back through this hiatus to various tournaments throughout golf history. We want you, the audience, to tell us where we should hop in the time machine for our next tournament. How do you do that? Will you leave a rating or review in the comment section for us right on Apple Podcasts? Be sure to leave a Twitter or Instagram handle so we have a way to get in contact with you. And while you're there on Twitter, be sure to give us a follow at First Cut Pod. Uh, and, and when you do that, you're going to have a chance to win some, some really good swag. We're going to have some giveaways. We're going to have some things like that uh, regularly popping up. So definitely uh, an important thing. We want you to get involved. We value your input into the show. Uh, as Michael said before, too, the, the engagement in the audience is really the most important thing. We look forward to it. So again, thank you so much for joining us, gentlemen. Michael can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. You basically just have to search at Michael Breed. Is that right, Michael? Uh, pretty much. Yep. That's all you got to do. At Governor Breed, of New York. You can find him anywhere. <laughs> Governor of New York. Yep. Keep an eye out for some, uh, for the, the next political race. He might be involved. There may be some openings too. You never know. I'll be your chief uh, of staff, Michael. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'll promise you one thing. If that happened, golf courses would not be closing anywhere, which would be good for not all a of chance. Us. Mark can be found on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. You could find me on Twitter at the real GFD. Also be sure to check out the on the mark podcast with Mark Immelman. You can check out a new breed of golf on Sirius XM with Michael breed. Uh, and every once in a while, you'll hear myself on there too, uh, as well. I try to keep record. that down to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> hey, you do a we nice fight for airtime <laughs> <laughs> on guard. Also on CBS sports network, every Monday up from 11 to 12 Eastern, course record with Michael Breed. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.